Welcome to Get Powered Up with Jessica Jones. Jessica and her guests are here to help you navigate the world around you as a small business owner and provide valuable insights to hone your business superpowers. Now, here's your host, Jessica Jones. Hello, 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 and welcome to Get Powered Up with Jessica Jones. I'm your host, Jessica Jones, and today we have Mary Jane Walsh from Thrive with us, and we're going to be continuing the conversation I had with Charlie last time about balancing the scales with your limited resources of your time, your energy, and your money. So throw in your capes and let's get powered up. Before we get started today, Mary Jane, can you introduce yourself for us? Sure. Um, My name is Mary Jane Walsh, and my company is Mary Jane Walsh Thrive, and I help individuals and business owners who have small to medium-sized companies manage their business and also manage their teams more effectively and really set themselves up so they can make more money, they can fill their pipeline, their time management can look better. Um, Yeah, so, and I love doing this. I've been doing this for over 10 years, and it's my passion to help people live into their potential. Well, I can speak from experience. You've definitely done wonders with us and we appreciate everything that you've done and are continuing to do. So we love having you around and I'm really excited for our conversation today. Awesome, me too. I have a question. What made you decide to get into it? What made me decide to get into this was I was a chef and I was a private chef building that business, which required a lot of sales because I had to get around people and find my ideal client and then pitch them, set up my services and pricing. And it grew because I hired a coach who helped me network and the networking was incredibly helpful. And then I pivoted that to coaching because I wanted to have a business that helped me grow my business and make substantial income for the first time in my life on my own rather than working for someone. Um, And so I wanted to show people how to do that. And it's just been phenomenal. So learning through being coached is how I learned how to do it. Mary Jane, I want to get your thoughts on the conversation Charlie and I were having last time about these limited resources. And specifically, you and I were talking about, you know, what happens if it's not so easy to just do it, to just itemize your calendar, to just make a budget when you're not feeling your best? How do we handle that? Because it sounds easy. I can sit here all day and tell you, just do it. But what happens when you can't get the oomph to go? Yeah. You know, even recently, especially coming off of the pandemic, where business owners, professionals have had to do like so many different things. And yet there's the weight of overwhelm, anxiety, stress perfectionism, all the things. One of the areas that I've really looked into is like that paralysis that you hit when you have time in your calendar. Maybe you've delegated some things and you have room, but you sit down to do the work and you can't do it. Like what, how, that is the thing. Like how do you manage your nervous system when you've got the time and you can't do it? And I think that's a real reality that some people aren't looking at because they're so, like I know, and many of my clients know that there's such like that history of you built this business to this level because you were able to take a bunch of action. What happens when you can't? And so that the tool of looking at like, what do you need? That's not like those people delegate to, or the additional resources that you can use in your business. What do you need on like a mental health side that can help get you back to that place of like being retooled resets. You can, you can identify the next things you need in your business. So I hope we can go into kind of some details about what that looks like, because I think a lot of people don't even realize they're having like a mental health issue in their business. And I think it's so important to talk about that. Absolutely. I think we've, we've come to that conversation several times with recognizing that in yourself, but it's something Charlie and I have gotten really used to in our, our personal relationship and in, you know, in our home that it's natural that it, it feeds over into the business. So what happens if you're not good at that? And so how do you recognize what's maybe one of the first signs that someone may be feeling that and they don't know it? So, I mean, if you're sitting down to do your work or you're having conversations with team members and you are dreading it, or you just feel like, you know, the person you used to be could just kind of sit down. And if you had something booked in your calendar from 10 to 11 to do work, you were able to just to flow and, and do it. And now you're not able to do it. There may be something in your nervous system, that is kind of like a trauma, a trauma spot that you've tapped into. Um, and so one of the ways to detect it is one, how you feel. And another one is your results. If like you're putting in a ton of time, but you're not getting the output that you used to get out of your work and you're finding yourself reaching for distraction, like your phone, or you want to be, you know, shopping or doing other things on 
during your workday and you're not productive. And then the tasks are leading, leaching into your weekend and you find yourself trying to do work in your weekend when you're more relaxed. That's when I think the red flag should go up and it's like, I need something else. And um, I would say those are, those are the things to be aware of that. Like you may be experiencing burnout, that overwhelm, the paralysis. And um, yeah, those were, would be indicators. And I think a lot of us, when we start feeling that way, the, the first initial response, I know for me, I get mad at myself mm-hmm. for not being productive, which is in and of itself counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're finding yourself getting mad at yourself, I think that's probably, probably a red totally. flag. Totally. <laughs> yeah. You know, and um, what, like, I think it can be difficult for high performers, business owners to look at those problems differently because they might be able to look back at their business and say, like, I got it to this level. Like I'm, I'm, I'm no stranger to like a 60 hour work week or a 70, you know, like I can do it. But it's a different, it's a different conversation with yourself to be like, I'm not doing what I used to do. And actually I need to pull back and take a break because that can, that's like a counterintuitive move, but that can be like a game changer, like really a game changer. And, you know, I had a conversation with my own therapist about this because I was in a similar place and he was like, you know, sometimes, and he works with a lot of athletes, you have them go back to basics and do accountability training and you have them come into the training. Other times it's the opposite. It's like, take a full break, a two day break, a three day break, a week break. And we can't always do that as business owners, but sometimes we can do a little bit of that. Like, you know, even an hour off here and there or a full weekend where you don't open your computer. Yeah. I had to start doing that because I was like waking up earlier, working into the evenings, you know, all that crazy stuff. Letting it creep into all those personal hours that it's not supposed to. And then you're not recharging. That's right. And you're setting yourself up for failure for the next day. Right. Your vicious cycle. Yes. Quite familiar with that. And so if you're recognizing these signs, what can you do about it? Especially if you're leading a team, if it's not just, well, I guess first, what do you do if it's just you? And then secondly, we'll talk about what to do when you have a team and you have to lead them, but you can't leave yourself off the couch. Yeah. So I give people this tool, which I use as a coach with my clients, but if, but it's helped me personally for myself. So usually as a coach, there's only two issues that present with someone. And one is it's a strategy issue, which is, I don't know how to do something. And the other one is I know how to do something, but I can't take action. Like I know how, I know I need to send this proposal out, but I sit down to do it and I can't actually take the action. So it's a totally different response for both of those issues. If it's a strategy thing and I don't know how to do something, I need to ask for help and find someone who can help me do this. For instance, like training a new team member or hiring someone or um, setting new rates. If it's a, if I'm noticing paralysis in myself where I'm sitting down to do the work and for some reason I can't, like, I just can't write the email. Like I can't do it. Like I feel the ball in my neck and I just can't take action. Um, the, the support issue is I need to find, and I should predetermine this like ahead of time. Who are my like five to 10 people that I can reach out to who I can be like, I can't take action because sometimes it's the support you need is just the space to be able to say, I'm having this issue. Can you support me? Can you give me some like support and unconditional love, you know, because we need that as human beings, even if we're in the work role, we still need that. Like a pep talk, like a pep talk, like, um, yeah, the, the pep talk I actually had a moment like this, this weekend. And, um, the pep talk can be, it's so simple, but someone babysitting your seven-year-old brain that's saying you can't do this. And someone else saying like, you are great at this. You do this every time. Um, so you can identify as a strategy or support issue. And then, you know, so the question you asked me is like, what do you do if you have to like support yourself in this, if you're feeling stuck? So you know, I'm a fan of the coaching industry because it really, really helped me. So reaching out to someone that can give you guidance is really helpful. I know that's true for me, but also like the mental health world. There have been times where like I preemptively book a session with a therapist because I'm like, I know this is gonna be a tough week. I need to book end of the week with like additional support for myself. Or also like starting to think about your calendar as having buffer time. Like I used to do big events and then I would feel like emotionally hungover after them, but I would expect myself to go right back into the workday. And I didn't realize that it takes me time to like re like re refuel my resources. So I started like taking time even after, you know, um, work retreats and things like that, where I give myself the Monday to just not have meetings, but like have time to retool. So like just starting to think about your calendar is like, how can you give yourself extra buffer time? I know we were talking today about <laughs> you 
and your virtual, like I know you're here and you're doing this podcast, but yeah. Yes. I am on light duty today. <laughs> this is one of the only things I'm doing because today is the first work day after my wedding. I got married on Saturday and today is Monday that we're recording and we have not had a break. I'm exhausted. We've been rocking and rolling and running and I'm emotionally tapped, but I'm here and I'm doing this, but I recognize I, I did not schedule the break and I should have scheduled the break. But when I got up this morning, I was like, I need to do the podcast because that's that's important. It's high priority, but that's probably one of the only things I'm going to do. So I got on the phone with the team, started talking, making plans and just spent three hours on the couch this morning, nice. recharging. After this, I got to go turn in a couple of things we rented for the wedding and I'm going right back to the couch. Yeah. And we'll see how tomorrow goes. Yeah. But next time I have a big event, um, not a wedding because there won't be any more of those. Next time I have a big event, I'm definitely scheduling at least a day off because it's feeling it. Yeah. I'm feeling it. You know, that is so interesting about like sitting on the couch because for a long time, like I didn't recognize that how beneficial that was like of watching Netflix or something, because I was like, you can't do this. Like you you're know, supposed to do, you're, you're being lazy. Right. And if I did like have downtime, it was like downtime to read, to prepare, like read business books. Like, okay, into the yeah, pocket of time. Exactly. And, um, like the idea of like sitting on the couch and watching a series or something, literally it took me several times to do that, to be able to like actually power down. And by the way, you guys were just telling me about your trip to Hawaii. Yes. And I am just wondering if that happens to you on vacation, because I know like a lot of people when they even go on vacation and they have a busy, like they run a business, they go on vacation. It takes like three days for their nervous system to be like, you're on vacation, have a break. You get to have a drink if you want at 11 a.m. And it's fine. Yes, so, that definitely happened. Um, luckily, I mean, we were we were exhausted because we had to get up on get on the plane at some insane early morning hour. And then it's like long flight. So we were really, really tired when we got there. And so I think there was no ripping and running the first day. But that second day, I was still really high strung. Mm -hmm. And maybe you can chime in a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. Oh, no, it, it, it took a while to unwind to really kind of loosen up for a way. I got, I got it done. And then <laughs> there was points for the rest of the trip where it was just and everything else. I'm here to be in the moment. And that's what we did. And then it was difficult. It took a little while to kind of remember what normal was before the vacation. Yes. Before you had to power down, how do you power back on mm -hmm. um, booting all your little systems up and making sure that you're functioning like you were before. Yeah. Definitely struggling with that today. For sure. I'm not at hundred percent, but that's okay. I love that idea of like, I've never thought about it that way. Like when you come back from the vacation, thinking about like booting up the systems and like what you need, because that's a, that's a really easy way to shame yourself and be like, why am I not so productive after vacation? But I think it's actually really awesome to hear people talk about how sometimes people miss 50% of their vacation because they're like thinking about, I should be doing these things on my vacation. I mean, I used to go on vacation and be like, okay, well now it's time to get healthy and you got to run every day and do all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You gave yourself a to-do list. <laughs> yeah. So like- You can't go on vacation unless you're perfect. Right. Like, so, so emotional, emotional support, I think is so much about like a, a bigger conversation of like really paying attention to what you need and like listening and then being willing to give it to yourself. Um, yeah. And just being aware. I think for me, like I was raised in a family where 90% of time, both of my parents blew past the signs of exhaustion and they were over, they were workaholics. And in my family, that was like, you got a gold star if you work the hardest, you know, like, and people use that as a badge of honor. I don't know when my mom has ever taken a vacation, you know? And, um, so like the be, being, what's the word when you're like emotionally taxed, like when you're over and it, all of that stuff, it like comes like overwhelmed, anxious. It like, of course you're going to be like that because you're a hard worker. And in the, in the end, like that behavior has held back my team. I'm not doing great work. I'm telling clients that like, you should be recharged, but I'm not living that way. It's like, it's been such a learning curve for me to be like, nope, on the weekends, you get to totally turn off your computer and totally relax. And at five o'clock in the evening, that's when you chill and relax. There's no working at nine o'clock at night anymore. I yeah. Remember I remember that stage with you early in our relationship. I used to tell you like- Oh, I got lots of scoldings. You just said office hours. You don't have office hours. You just work when something happens and it's not 
helpful for you. So yeah. eventually you told yourself to hush up about that. You can't do that. And you did it anyway and it worked. Yeah. I, I actually changed a bunch of settings in my Outlook. So I don't get email notifications on my phone at all. I have to go into the app and look at them. And when I'm on my computer, it doesn't ding. I'll have a little circle that there is an email, but it doesn't ding because I don't have to go and address it right away. Like I've heard the conversation so many times with, you know, email on our phones and texts and all of this, we expect constant immediate access and responses. And that is incredibly unhealthy. So I turned a lot of those off. I set office hours for myself and make sure I'm not doing things outside of business hours. And I get a lot less scoldings these days for those types of things. Awesome. That's really great. I love that your partner holds you accountable to that. <laughs> he does. He does very much hold me accountable because I would just work all the time. Yeah. I think it can be tough if you have a partner who is like, oh, like um, not necessarily supporting a, um, a reset or a shutdown, like if they're overworking. So I think it's important to just see what kind of messages you're getting from your partner. And that's, I have, I have a supportive partner and who's like, nope, after five. But you know, when, when you were saying this, I was just thinking about, cause I'm thinking some of your viewers are probably thinking, but Jessica, we can't do that. If I'm not working in the evenings, it's not going to get done. And I have these deadlines. And I think there's an element of faith that is involved. Like when you make that change and you say, I'm gonna have work hours and I'm going to stop working at six. It's almost like you, we have to just retrain our minds to say it will get done. It doesn't have to be perfect. Things don't have to be delivered like right away. Like maybe our clients don't expect things to be responded to within 20 minutes. Maybe it can be responded to the next day, you know? Um, so I think it takes a little bit of time to just be like, okay, wait, I need to shift my relationship with my work and my standard. Yes. And then retrain my clients or the customers to expect things differently. Like they're, they're, they, people are going to respond the way you've trained them to respond. So there's gonna be some new training time yes. required. I think we, we definitely experienced that. Um, we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to transition the conversation a little bit from how to deal with it when it's you to how to deal with it when it's your team, if you've got other individuals and they're overworked and they're overwhelmed. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Jessica Jones Accounting Services is here to be your small business superhero. Whether you need ongoing services like bookkeeping or payroll, one-time services like implementing an accounting software or one-on-one training, or an on-call CFO to answer your larger questions, Jessica Jones Accounting Services is here to help. Stop costing your business more money by trying to do absolutely everything yourself. We pride ourselves on giving you big business level service while still giving that small business attention. You're the expert in your field and you didn't start your business to watch numbers move, but we did. Come check us out at jessicajonesaccounting.com to see what we can do for your business. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are listening to Get Powered Up with Jessica Jones. We hope Jessica and her guests are giving you the spark you have been looking for. Now back to the show with Jessica. All right. So now that we're back, we're going to shift this conversation a little bit and talk about what happens when it's your team and it's not just you. So first, I want to say you told me something in one of our last conversations that really stuck with me because I was not treating myself right in my business. I was overworking and worked too long hours and punishing myself. And you told me that I have to treat myself like my most valuable employee, that if I wouldn't 
like it if an employee were doing this, if it, if it were unhealthy behaviors for one of my staff, then it's not a healthy behavior for me. And I think that's a great lead in to how to set the tone in your company and make sure that you're leading by example and making sure that your staff is not doing these really bad habits. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's really interesting when we think about that because it's so easy to hold a standard for ourselves that we would never hold for a best employee, which is usually overworking and getting underpaid, like working so much. That's way more than the 40 hour scope. Uh, but I used to say, I used to tell people that I had a really terrible boss and, um, she was like abusive and people would be like, Mary Jane, I thought you worked for yourself. And I'm like, yep. I was a really bad boss to myself. I didn't give myself sick days. When I did have sick days, I was at home on the couch working on my computer because I couldn't, I couldn't allow myself to like watch TV during a work day because I would feel like a bad person, you know, all of those things. Um, all of the things that like I would allow a team member to do, like take off on her birthday. Um, I wouldn't allow myself to do that. So yeah, like tr- so treating yourself like your most valuable employee. And what does that look like? Like reward, acknowledgement, time away from work, uh, where you actually encourage yourself to take vacations, sick leave, you know, um, preventative medical appointments that are going to help you from not being sick. Um, and then encouraging healthy work hours. So that like, I mean, if you had an employee who wasn't able to spend time with their kids in the evening and that's how you were behaving, right? You would want to make sure that they had time to spend time with their children. So um, all of those perspectives, I think, are really helpful when you look at shifting a behavior that that you've just kind of ingrained as like a standard for yourself that may not be healthy. So what happens if these team members are exhibiting these behaviors? So let's say you've recognized it in yourself and you're starting to see the, the standard you're setting. So how do you adjust it? How do you help your team? So I think it's really important to when you've made the shift and you're aware that like the whole company may be exhibiting some of those behaviors is have clear conversations about setting boundaries. And what does that look like with clients? So oftentimes this could look like we have a contract with a client and yet we have those clients who want more than the contract is asking for. So it's asking for us to over deliver. So setting the tone in the company where we're like, nope. If there's more that is required, then that requires us to charge more hours. And if a client has a request on a Friday and they want us to be working on the weekend, you know, that is a different conversation. Maybe we don't have the capacity to do that. So maybe we're saying more no's than yeses and when to say no to and, you know, what clients that we may need to let go of if they're no longer a right fit. Um, But I think like having those direct conversations with our staff to say like, your time is valuable. I know recently I said to my team, I want you to take your full weekends. Like at five o'clock, I'm not going to be messaging you after five to, to submit something. Like I want you to take your evenings. I want you to enjoy your work. I want to respect your boundaries outside of work. So just verbally communicating that lets them know that like I'm in their corner. But here's another thing. And I don't know if, I'm, if there's anything you want to say there. No, I'll keep going. Okay. Another thing I do much more regularly is I check in with my team. How do you feel about this? Yes. How are you feeling? How are you doing? 
And that really establishes trust that I care because the truth is I do. Like, I don't want to have team members be like, I hate this, or I feel overwhelmed and my boss isn't listening to me. I want people to feel like that I'm aware of what's going on in their lives. And recently I've had a team member who had like a really, um, um, like awful thing happen in her personal life. And, you know, I just wanted, I was thinking about like, is she okay? Like what additional support can I give her? So I think as business owners, we want to be looking at like encouraging emotional health in our staff yes, and the people around us and having those conversations and just being a trusted person where they can be open and share those things, I think is really, really important. So having those conversations, like, what do you need more from me? Like, how can I support you? I think is really helpful. Yes. That I definitely agree with that. We try to have that culture around here. I'm always getting feedback from the team, hoping that they, you know, will give me their honest feedback. And, you know, do you feel like this client is becoming a problem? Are they asking too much? Are they, you know, the turnaround time is unreasonable or whatever. Are they texting your personal cell phone? Mm -hmm. Things like that. We've had to kind of rein that in with some clients and um, it's not always easy. And We've had to let some go, but overall, I think that it made the team stronger and it, I think, established that the company as a whole and the staff is more important than holding on to a single problematic client. Yes, that's awesome. So what happens if you've got a staff that you notice something is off? They... They're not talking about it. Every, they say everything's fine, but you notice a change in their behavior. Maybe their work product is not as good. Maybe they're, you know, suddenly missing a lot of things that they normally would catch in little details. How would you start a conversation with them if they're not admitting there's a problem, but the work is suffering and you're seeing problem? Yep. So that is a very interesting thing. And that touches on a few other issues around leadership but I am a big fan of open, honest, transparent conversations and being able to say, there are a lot of errors. What is going on? Or your work performance has shifted. What is going on? What resources do you need from me? Trying to get, to, to, to get information before assuming that there's any motive, right? Because one area that you know, a boss could go to is this person isn't enjoying being here, you know, all kinds of stories that I hear bosses think in their head, like what's going on? You know, are they looking at other options? Are there, are they splitting their time between me and someone else? What is going on? So just being able to sit down and have an open, honest dialogue that says, this is what I'm noticing. You're valuable. Uh, Please let me know what's going on there. And I recently did this with someone on my team and they said, which was very, very interesting. You notice my errors more than the things that I'm doing well. You are paying attention to those things more. And I don't feel like you've given me enough time for the training that I need. And I am making these errors, but I need more time from you. And if my ego had gotten in the way, I would have gotten frustrated and, you know, and, and let my ego get in the way in that way. And instead I said, I thought I need to be spending more time with you to set you up for success. But in addressing it that way, I think we establish trust in a way where this person knows that I do care about her being on the team. And I am also 
interested in honest feedback about my leadership because leaders, bosses are not perfect. Like I know that I am imperfect, but I'm willing to learn. And the only way I can learn is by being like being open to honest feedback and then being willing to listen. Yeah, absolutely. And I expect that from them too. Like I'm going to give open and honest feedback and I'm going to expect them to participate in the conversation with me too. Like if I need a different outcome, I'm going to be looking for that. Their, their um, participation in that shift as well. Yeah. And the, the conversation, making sure that they understand that you're not scolding or punishing or warning anything like that, that they're, you know, you're trying to support them. And I think I've had employees where it's been both sides of the coin where they'll get their ego will be in the way and, you know, how dare you and this, that, and the other. And then there's been the, the, you know, I had to, to learn to swallow my pride when I was hearing something I didn't want to hear, because if you shut your employees down, when they open up to you, then they're never going to open up to you again. And so you, you've talked the talk, but you didn't walk the walk. And then when they tried, you shut them down. And so you're full of crap basically. So the, the, the thing that I've been recently talking about with companies is the most foundational piece in a team is trust. Yes. Like, can I trust you as a boss to that you have my best interest or do I feel like you just want to take care of yourself? Mm-hmm. Right. And can I trust you as a team member front facing with my clients that you actually care about the company and you're not really mad at me or out to get me or sabotaging, which can happen Yes, if we have team members who aren't in alignment with the core values. So trust on both ends, I think is so important. And if we have trust, we can have those conversations of what's going on. Your work output is not what it used to be. Or they can say, I need more from you. You've been checking out as a leader and I need more time from you. So it's trust on both sides. I think it sounds very similar to relationships, to partnerships, to my relationship with my kids. I I see something's going on. Something's different. You're acting different. What's going on? I can tell. I'm around you all the time. I can tell when something's off. So it's, I agree with you that it sounds similar to relationships. And I'll say, I'll just add that it sounds similar to healthy relationships and high functioning relationships and not dysfunctional relationships because the rule in dysfunctional relationships is one person has rules for the relationship and the other person just has to abide by them. There's not a conversation, right? So definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with that. Healthy relationships. Very important distinction. Very important distinction. So before we go to our next break, we had a conversation um, that produced a quote Overpromising is another way of saying under delivering. Can we unpack that for a second and what that means? So I love that quote that you, I, it was in our conversation and you shared that that quote was like powerful for you. Absolutely. I love that. So I'm a big fan of um, not making promises and also not saying sorry and not not because you don't want to write your behavior, but this idea of like overpromising and then like saying sorry is this cycle of like lack of integrity. Like I'm saying I'm going to do this and then I don't do it. And then I have to say I'm sorry because I didn't do what I stated I was going to do. Um, and then we also talked about like time debting and oh, like, yes, like making this promise either to yourself or your client and then feeling in debt to them because you can't deliver on what you stated you were going to deliver on. So 
Um, and like that idea of make of like looking at your bandwidth and like when you commit to a deliverable, being careful, like that you are aware of what you can do, what, like what you can do so that you're not setting yourself up to not delivering on, you know, what you say you're going to deliver. So I love the idea of this, this idea of over-promising is another way of under-delivering because basically what you're setting yourself up to do is not meet that standard if you're over-promising. And, um, you know, I have a client where we literally went back to, she had a core value that was something like over-delivering, which when we looked at the types of clients she was getting, she was getting people who were underpaying for the services that she was providing. Because she was saying, in order to get this client, I need to like over deliver. I need to like always do more than what we agree upon. Yeah, and that's undervaluing you. That's right. So we shifted it to to like being responsive and being collaborative and those types of things that weren't com- that weren't communicating a value of I'm going to always do more than what you're paying me for, which was setting herself up for being like overextended and all of those things. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And if we take that quote and we take the inverse of it, mm-hmm. Charlie over there in the corner, take the inverse. Love it. If you under promise, ah. then you over deliver, ah. which is a way better outcome. Totally. So you can promise that you'll get something to someone on Friday if it's Monday and you give yourself until Friday. And if you happen to get it done on Wednesday, mm-hmm. they're thrilled. Yep. But if you promise it on Wednesday and you can't get it to them on Friday, they're not thrilled. Yeah. They're not thrilled. So I love that. Simple, simple changes in the way you talk to yourself and treating your number one most MVP employee. I love that. That's a great, I think that's a great thing that like your viewers, your listeners could implement right away. Like when I'm telling someone a deadline, what if I give it an extra week? That way it gives me an opportunity to over-deliver mm-hmm. and get it to them sooner. Yeah. Give give yourself an opportunity to look even better yeah. by giving it to them early instead of giving them crunch time. And I've gotten pretty good at this with my clients lately saying, old me would want to tell you I could give it to you here, yeah. but I'm going to be realistic and give me until here. Yep. And if I get it to you early, awesome. And they by and large understand that. That's great. So let's take another quick break. It's going to be our last break. And we're going to go into some tools that you can use for yourself and for your team when you are feeling the scales are out of balance. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Have you ever wished you had someone who had all the answers in your back pocket? The Superhero Initiative was created as a launchpad for small and micro businesses to reach the next level in their potential. We are here to help you start out on the right foot and rescue you from future headaches. If you've been in business less than three years or are currently generating less than $100,000 of annual revenue, we encourage you to apply for the Superhero Initiative. Recipients will get eight hours of donated time to supercharge your back office from bookkeeping cleanup to implementing and training on software and other accounting and management needs. Visit jessicajonesaccounting.com to apply today. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Behind 
on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. You are listening to Get Powered Up with Jessica Jones. We hope Jessica and her guests are giving you the spark you have been looking for. Now back to the show with Jessica. So now we're back and we're going to talk a little bit about how to deal, what tools you can use when you or the people around you are feeling that overwhelm so that you can be a guiding light for everyone to act and exist in a healthy space because who doesn't want to be mentally healthy, especially us business owners. We're all a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's just kind of to think about like a big picture perspective of this. I talk a lot about, uh, and it's kind of a, a, a big topic right now on the speaking circuit is emotional regulation and emotional management for leaders and how important that is. And sometimes the topic is like empathic leadership, but leaders who are just transactional and structural and strategic are actually um, being asked to shift in a big way and are being asked to lead more with their emotional um, capacities, be vulnerable with their team, and also check in with their team emotionally. And in industries like the informational technology industries and in engineering or in law, that hasn't been standard practice and now it is. Now it is standard practice that that your boss is going to be paying attention to your nervous system so that there can be stronger a stronger sense of connection within the whole organization. Um, and I think that we really saw that during the pandemic when bosses were out of touch with what the team members needed. Um, as many people were experiencing all kinds of loss, even just working remotely and how that was affecting people and feeling lonely yes, um, and out of touch with teams. So tools. Okay. So one tool is to just give yourself, like to think of like your emotions on a scale. So 10, if you gave yourself a 10 would be that you feel good. You're high, highly resourceful. You feel like you can focus. Um, you feel strong about connecting with, you know, your work obviously zero, one, you're completely depleted. So one thing you can do is just give yourself a, a, a give yourself a grade. Like, where am I right now on the emotional scale? And that emotional inventory we talk about. Oh, oh yes. Uh, emotional inventory. Emotional inventory. Yeah, that's what I call it. Yeah. You're, you're like totally. expounding on that in a way that I probably would never be able to. <laughs> but that's just kind of a similar thing to what I call it. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. That's totally. So an emotional inventory, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And if you have an idea of like assigning numbers on it, like 10 being the most resourceful when you could say like, I'm at my best and zero being I'm at my worst, um, give yourself a number. And then one thing that I do is I take seven off the scale, because if someone's at a seven, that's a number where if you are used to blowing past depleted, which, you know, it's very easy to say, I'm at a seven, I can handle this. If you take seven off the grid, you have to say, I'm at an eight or I'm at a six. I love that. Yeah, you can't. So seven is like, you can't have seven. Yeah, because that's the the default number. Anybody who's going to say, I'm doing okay, is going to give themselves better than average. Right. But um, not quite. I'm works. Yes. That makes sense. I would, it's when he said seven, I'd be like, I can do it. I'm seven. And then you said not seven. (laughs) <laughs> <I'm> like, okay. <laughs> okay. 
time to rethink this. Yes. And, um, you know, I just kind of flipped the scale actually in my mind. Uh, so let me just redirect this. A seven would be if we were looking at 10 being like a warning sign, extremely high stressed. You could say being in a high resource state sounds like you're a 10. But if we just if we just think about like a stress scale and we say like eight, nine or 10 is like stop, don't take action. You want to be between like a healthy state of, you know, stress would be probably between a two to a five. Um, and of course, you can sh- I, I don't want to confuse your viewers by shifting the scale and saying 10 is like your best state. It just you just want to make sure you have a sense of like what you're what you're calling a 10 and what you're calling a one. But either way, you know, if 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 zero is depleted or 10 is depleted, you want to make sure that three or that seven is not included. Does that make sense? Am I confusing? Yeah, yeah that makes sense to me. Okay. So like if if you like to think of 10 as the good, then you want three to be your warning. Yeah, absolutely. You can't take, you can't be at a three. Um, you would take that off the scale. If you think of like 10 being high stress, like you're totally, you're at a, cause people will say I'm at like on a scale of stress, I'm at 11 out of a 10. If you're, if you're thinking of like high stress as a 10, you want to take seven off the scale and you want to then be thinking six and five as warning signs, uh-huh. because you want, we're going to be doing the most resourceful work when our brain is online. And I just did this kind of like indicator with my hand as like a symbol of the brain. And when our prefrontal cortex is in fight or flight, uh, we go offline. We're in a, we're in survival mode. We're, we're, we're not thinking about how to relax and be resourceful and be funny and be an easy team member to work with. And, you know, being creative for our clients, we're thinking of like, how can I survive this? How can I not get fired? How, you know, all of those things that are just like fear induced ways of thinking. So you want to calibrate yourself or, or at least like take the inventory. Where are you honestly? Like if you weren't going to have to tell your boss where you are, where are you honestly just with yourself? And then from there, if you're in a place that is like, let's say 10 is like big, big, you know, like you're tapped out, like high, high, high stress. And you're saying I'm at an eight. That means you need to stop right now. Right. Stop. You're starting to burn yourself out. <laughs> you're starting to burn yourself out. And um, there are, if you have to have something done by the end of the day, you maybe want to think about what could I do right now just to regulate my nervous system? Do I need to eat something? Right. So I use the, um, the acronym HALT. Am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Or am I tired? If you're any of these things, it is not the right time to have a conversation with someone or to, you know, go like if even with your partner to have a conversation to to talk about what you need it's a time to like make sure you're getting those needs met first right so that makes a lot of sense eat something allow yourself just to feel the feelings if you're angry lonely maybe reach out and get some connection because that's a real need and tired think about how you can get more sleep because lack of sleep is a huge issue for mental health obviously so i've been inspired i think a question based on what you just said And it's a big question, so I don't always expect to hear, have an answer. But uh, do you notice correlation between like the state of a person and the kind of scale they use? Whether it's like they're say they're stressed and they immediately go to on the scale of one to ten of stress, ten being the highest. Do they answer differently depending on their state? Like, do you notice that they do? Like, if they're in a good mood, they'll put ten as you know high resource. 
Or if they're in a bad mood, will they put tenacized stress? Do you find any correlations, anything like that? I'm wondering about patterns. <laughs> Interesting. I think um, I think people understand like a high stress as being like a a a really big red flag issue. And so I think if people were in a high stress state, they would likely say, you know, it is like my stress levels are on an 11 on a scale of one to 10. Um, whereas if we're thinking about like high performance, like for athletes, like your hot, your performance, and we're measuring like your best performance state, people probably from that perspective are going to be more inclined to look at like, I'm at a 10 in terms of my resourcefulness. So I think it really depends upon one, yes, your state, but two, like what you're grading. So for the purposes of emotional scale, I think what we're really looking out for is like high stress levels. Mm -hmm. So I think putting that there as a 10, and then when we're in a healthier place and when we're looking for like most resourceful place, like how are we going to be our best selves in the workplace? Mm -hmm. We could then from that perspective, think about like a 10 as being your best self. Awesome. So there's really no uh, bad way to look at it. Right. It's just depending on where you are and what you're doing and what you're dealing with. Yes. Nice. Thank you. That's great. I think you could also probably take it, you know, if you are a person who wants to dig in a little bit deeper, like maybe a Charlie, you could have a couple of different questions. You know, am I like, do I feel stressed? Do I feel creative? Do I feel anything? And like, if all of it is in that red flag area, then you need to just stop everything. Like like her whole thing. If you just, if any of these things are true. Yeah. Logically, just kind of take this, kind of take a break. Yeah. Meet that need. Yep. And then, yeah, it's really interesting at that place. Sometimes people don't know what they need, but they'll, but I can ask a question like, when was the last time you ate? Oh, I didn't even stop for lunch or I've only eaten sugar. Like I've only been able to eat M&Ms because I've had deadlines. Oh, that's an indicator that you probably need to eat something, mm-hmm. you know? And sometimes it's those basic things that people aren't aware of. And I'll tell you, I grew up in a household where like, the basic needs were not like my parents did not honor their own basic needs. They didn't think about the basic needs. So sometimes like I can recognize it in other people I coach, but even for myself, I'll be like, Oh wait, I didn't sleep last night. Of course I'm tired. Like, of course I'm like really feeling mentally challenged with this thing. And I, I won't even occur. It won't even occur to me until I really do the inventory that I'm exhausted. Right. So I'll be just like, why am I underperforming? Right. You know, that's yeah. really, uh, I don't know what the word is. It's, it's foundational for me yeah. because I'm, um, I'm from a military background and the military does not care at all yeah. about whether you're tired or hungry or angry or lonely. They do your job, meet the mission, get it done anyway. Yeah. And it's, I've, I've spent years and lots of help from Jessica. We spent years on doing that. Yeah. And even trying to treat myself in a way that's better through that because the military taught me that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Halt does not matter. You just get it done. Yeah. And, and that's absolutely not, not true. Not sustainable whatsoever. It's not sustainable. And it's really interesting when I've worked with um clients who are business owners who have a military background. There's almost like, and nothing against the military. I have so much uh, respect for the military. But when I think of business owners who come out of that model, there's almost like a respect 
for not having these needs. And like, I can just not, you know, like not get tired or get the job done. And that can actually equate to being up, like being a boss who's holding other people to those standards. And it can be a really problematic work environment. Yeah. Um, I have worked with people who, who, you know, after the military started to look at more connecting with their emotions and developing that capacity. And it can be unbelievably life-changing to their own experience in this world with work and also like their capacity to lead. Yes. That's one thing that I've noticed is when it comes to leadership and ability to kind of see things from a leadership perspective, it has made adding empathy to the decision-making and these military things has but it's changed the world. It's changed the game for me. So yeah, yeah. I can only imagine that it's, I yeah, it can't be the only one. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I remember the days where you would always say mission first. I'm like, that's insane. Like you, we, we can't work like that. I've never been that I'm an emotional being. I have always been an emotional being. I cry at commercials, <laughs> but you were like mission first, mission first. And we had to find some alignment there and it took a little bit of time and, and, patience with each other, but it makes it, yes, it makes a difference. Um, I guess another, I can give a few more tools here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A couple more minutes, a couple more minutes. One other tool is something called a three minute bridge, um, which I have used numerous times when I was experiencing lots of fear in my work early on. And it was usually like sending a proposal or having to have an uncomfortable conversation or having to, um, communicate something that was uncomfortable and everything in my nervous system was saying like, don't do this. And of course I was procrastinating, picking up my phone, doing all these things to waste time. I would set my timer for 15 minutes and I would just say, work on this without doing a distraction for 15 minutes. And sure enough, when it, when the timer hit three minutes and I didn't distract myself, I got to a place in my nervous system where my nervous system said, Oh, I can do this. This isn't scary. Like, it's not a tiger that's running out to eat me. Like I can actually write this proposal and people run into all kinds of fear when they're like afraid to set their rates or have an uncomfortable conversation or communicate to a client that, you know, whatever, that they need to behave differently in order to, or whatever those things are that we might be afraid of. So the three minute bridge is just knowing that if you take the action, you don't distract yourself, your nervous system will start to say, okay, I can do this in an under three minute time zone and time. And now for me, mine's probably at like 45 seconds where if I start the action, I'll be like, I can do this. It's not as scary as I was thinking. And I'm not trying to procrastinate so much. Um, That's what I want to be when I grow up. That sounds awesome. Um, And then finally, just a tool that, well, two more things. Can I mention two more? Yeah, absolutely. Asking yourself, do I need a strategy right now? Or do I need support? Like when I'm in a high level stress state, is it because I don't know how to do something and I just need to get a resource on how to do something? Or do I need some support? Like, do I need someone to talk to? And sometimes that is like unbelievably life-changing to like be able to just say, I am so stressed out or I'm really afraid of this. Um, So that one. And then I'll say the final one is celebration. We talked last time about celebrating successes and sometimes for business owners work or or professionals we're constantly looking at like the next frontier or like we're we're evaluating how far we are from something as opposed to how far we've come 
And it is so important for our nervous system to like high five, celebrate. And when I ask people, how have you celebrated your this win or yourself? Many people don't have an answer. Like they don't actively have celebration as part of their plan. Celebration is so important. See, I want, I like that. And it's not like corporate's throwing a pizza party for us first. Yeah, exactly. But but you you need, you know, big, not necessarily big, but something to give yourself an attaboy and an an acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. So what are some simple acknowledgements that you can do for wins, small wins? Um, So if it's for staff, like personal, individual, and public acknowledgement, like words of validation and affirmation are so important. And people often enjoy that more than a financial reward. Like just knowing that their contributions have made a shift to the company and that they're valued by a team member, I think is really important. Um, for so, so that's really important. Team celebrations, you know, even if it's like a pizza or if it's time where we talk about kind of, we get to have fun together. I think that can be really valuable. Um, high fives, I think are really important. Um, so those are all important. And then when we think about how we do it for ourselves, that can be very challenging, but it's just as important. And I would say there's not a dollar figure connected to this because I've had clients who make, you know, a considerable amount of money. And they're like, what does this mean? Like get a new computer or get a this, like I can get that anytime. It's not that it's like usually time for yourself, where you're saying, I'm going to do this for myself because I put in, I did an amazing job. And so for me, what this used to look like, and I need to come up with another celebration, but it was like three hours where I would do something for me. Getting a massage is like so incredibly rewarding. So having a time to do it. And I found a particular hotel where you pay for the massage and then you can spend the whole day in like the sauna and like all the stuff, which was amazing. Oh, you're going to have to tell me about that one. Yeah. So that for me is like a celebration. And I'll tell you the first time I did it, I was like, let me see if I can bring my laptop and work in the whatever I'm telling you. And then I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? The whole point is to like read a magazine and chill. But for me, like, and I asked when I was doing the research on how people celebrate their wins, I asked groups of people and no one could no one could tell me how they celebrate. And um, by the way, this came out of my own thing where I would hit a goal and then the carrot would move and people would hear it. And I'd be like, no, we did this this month. Maybe we could do this. And I would immediately set myself up because I wouldn't acknowledge the win. And so I did the research and I, I, I'm actually going to this woman's office tomorrow, but I spoke to this group of people and there was this one woman who raised her hand and she was like, Every time I get a big account, she owns a credit card company with a big company. I take myself on a vacation. And I was like, well, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I don't have that time. And also I, that wouldn't be something that I would like. I actually prefer, I prefer like real introvert time on my couch, like, like that kind of thing. I don't necessarily need to be going on all these vacations, but then I asked it to this other group and like, there were so many, there were probably like three or four men in the front who raise their hand like, oh yeah, we have, I have mine. And it was going golfing and drinking beers, not mine, but they had theirs. And so I was like, what is mine? It is going to the spa, having like physical touch via a massage, self-care, self-care, powering down. And if I did that once every two months or once monthly, that would be amazing. And um, back to the over-promising or under-promising and over-delivering, 
I would set the bar at a place that wasn't always moving, but it was a place where if I did this standard for myself and my company, I got that treat and that reward, right? And it wasn't like the bar was constantly moving up and I had to keep giving more. It was like, if I did this, I got that. So if you have like a baseline and say, if we, for example, if we make $3,000 this month, you're a small business, you work yep. for yourself. If I make $3,000, I'm going to, you know, take myself to dinner on Friday night. That's right. And, or I'm going to go get an ice cream from my favorite ice cream shop or something. And then as you grow, you can, you know, proportion yep. the rewards with that trajectory. Yeah. But I think that's really important. Having and, a baseline. Yes. And depending on your personality, you, it, you may need to find a way to kind of communicate that. So for some people, they really value kind of support of their tribe which, or the, the people that they're connected with. So if you are taking yourself to dinner, it may be valuable for your nervous system to take a snapshot, share it with your community on social media and say, like, I'm taking myself out to dinner because we've had a tremendous month. And, you know, like to actually communicate that rather than do it in isolation. Yeah. And validate that, the feeling. Yeah. Validate the feeling. We're here. We did this. I'm so grateful for everyone who supported me, but we've had a tremendous month and I'm celebrating and having a great meal. So celebration and acknowledgement are super important to your nervous system. So that goes back to what you said earlier about teaching others how to handle you. Yes. And you teach yourself the same things through the same behaviors. Yes. Yes. And I know we have, um, we're about to wrap up, but we have something that I, I use with Charlie. If I'm feeling overstimulated and like emotionally, so anybody else feel like they vibrate when they're just like super anxious. If he, I'll have him hug me really tight with my arms down by my sides and wrap in like just bear hug basically for what, 30 seconds, a minute. And you can feel when my body lets it go. Cause I hold it in my body. So if you feel that, that feeling, have your partner, your kid, your best friend, whoever it is, that bear hug can really like release your nervous system in a, a really powerful way that it now I do it like at least once a week. I'm like, squeeze me, yeah. squeeze me. That is brilliant by the way. And I think like everyone will love to hear that. I do that too. Yeah. And I have, I have a history of like high level of um, PTSD trauma. And one of the tools that I learned from a somatic therapist to heal the trauma was you put one hand on your rib cage and the other hand on your arm and you squeeze yourself really tight. And it's a grounding tool when you can't get a hug from someone to kind of contain your body yeah, and let yourself know you're contained. But that tool, if you do have a partner or a child, obviously can't do it with the coworker, but <laughs> they hold me really tight. And it probably takes like 30 seconds to regulate your nervous system, but that's huge. That is awesome. I noticed it, it. It gave me a big shift, just a physical release of pressure. Yeah. I love let, that. Let the, let the valve off. Yeah. Right. So I think that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us, Mary Jane. But before we go, got to tell everybody where they can get in touch with you, find you on social media, reach out if they have a question or they want to book you for some coaching. Uh, thank you so much. So the easiest way is my website, which is www.maryjanewalshthrive.com. And then Instagram, Mary Jane Thrive, at Mary Jane Thrive. Um, and reach out anytime, even for resources. It feels so good to be able to support people in this kind of way with emotional regulation. This is like, this is a game changer for business owners. So it's been such a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mary Jane. And we look forward to having you back someday soon. Awesome. 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Get Powered Up with Jessica Jones. We hope you've gained something valuable today. If you did, wait till you hear what we're talking about next. Until then, get out there and forge your own unique empire, travel your own path, and most importantly, be your own superhero. Superhero.